listening to a recent sermon from a Covenant Church worship experience. For more information, you can find us online at covenantchurch.us. Not having and showing the love of God to yourself and to those around you is the definition of Antichrist. This message is from part two of our series, Anti, where we are learning the difference between the love of the world and the love of Christ. And now, here is our lead pastor, Pastor Travis Davenport. Hey, good morning. We doing good today? Doing good? Yeah? Ah, that's not convincing enough. How are we doing? We doing well today? Doing very good? There you go. Uh, it's good to be here. Good to be in the house of God today. We're in week two of a series um, that we're excited about. It's called Anti. And we're walking through, we're still walking through the book of 1 John. And you say, well, man, we've been walking through the book of 1 John for a while. Well, that's because there's so much good stuff in it. We want to squeeze it and get every single last drop that we can, right? Yeah? We don't just want to blow through things. We want to actually learn um, so I'm excited about this week. I'm excited about the next couple weeks as we be, as we be, um, as we be finishing it up, yo. And um, yeah, today I'm really, really stoked to go on with that same, uh, uh, yeah, speaking pattern. I'm really excited. Uh, we have Pastor Mark Cox from Access Church, who's going to be, <laughs> who's going to be like popcorn yelling. It was really. Really cool. Um, who is going to be speaking and sharing um, today? And, and don't forget, obviously, we've we've been praying for him for almost a year. Him and his family, his wife, his kids, and their team. It's really cool to be a part of um, being a being a part of planting a brand new church. You know what I mean? And it's so exciting. And and to see he and his wife just be here basically alone and be terrified. And now bringing people around him and bringing more and more people around him. He's still terrified, but that's okay. I don't think you ever lose that as a church planter or pastor. Um, prayerfully, you don't. But now bring people around him to the point where now financially and relationally um, and lo- locationally, they're, uh, they're ready to go. They're almost ready to plant and launch a brand new church. So we, we support him. We celebrate him. We're excited about him. So I want you, if you would, just to stand to your feet and let's give him a covenant church welcome as he comes to share the word of God today. Come on. All right, you guys can be seated. Thank you. Uh, We love covenant. This is like our home away from home. Uh, We have been meeting with our team for a while now and we started this process of visiting a lot of different churches um, to learn from them. And, and so that's been a cool process, but honestly, we've been missing kind of, uh, kind of our place here. So we're, we're winding that down and we're getting towards closer to launch. So there's probably going to be about a month here where we're just going to kind of chill um, in, in here and kind of relax before it's go time. And so we're excited uh, about you guys partnering with us, obviously. And it's uh, like when I say home away from home, I mean it like it feels like family to us. We feel at home. We feel loved, and so thank you uh, for being that for us. That's uh, that's like a um, it's like a launching pad for us. We're going to be in First John chapter three, uh, verses eleven through twenty-four today, continuing on with the series. Um, I have enjoyed listening to the series, and First uh, John, I, I just forget how direct John is sometimes. John is so black and white. He, there's no guess. There's no guesswork. Uh, you know where where jo- John would essentially say. 
You either love God or you hate him. And you're like, well, no, 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 there's some middle ground. Like, I kind of like him. Like, I show up sometimes, and sometimes I, Friday nights are not godly, you know? And sometimes we want that. John is like, nope, you hate him, you know? Sometimes Jesus is like, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they're like, oh, I don't know what to do with that. John's like, nope, this is what you do. So I appreciate John's voice because it can get through uh, my thick head. So 1 John Chapter 3, let me read verses 11 through 24 for us to get us kicked off. Uh, For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God, and whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him, and by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Let's pray as we, uh, as we dive into God's word. Thank you, God, for giving us this moment. Thank you for, for giving us your word. Thank you for not giving up on us. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for giving us second and third and fourth chances. Um, for those of us that, that need a little extra help, like myself, Lord, thank you for being patient. Thank you for being long-suffering and kind. Uh, Lord, as we read your word, we pray that it would transform us, that it would, that it would shape us into the form of your son, and that we would leave uh, different, uh, changed people. Let's in your name I pray. Amen. So um, I went to this conference in Atlanta in 2012 called Passion. Um, this is where those albums from Chris Tomlin and David Crowder and all those guys come out. And uh, it's for college students exclusively. And this one, they had, they had rented out the, the, the Georgia Dome to meet in. So there was like 60,000 seats. Or no, there's more, there's more than that. There's 60,000 people showed up to this event. Um, and, and all kinds of people are there. I, uh, this, is, this event is for college students. I'm there taking our college students, and it's a good time, but I got to be honest, I'm tired. We had to wake up, not, not at, at the crack of dawn, but before the crack of dawn, before God even wakes up, uh, to get to Atlanta on time for the event that started that night. Uh, the event happens, uh, or at least that year it did, January 1st through the 4th, and so it was cold. You're thinking it's going to be like Hawaii in Atlanta, and it's not at all, right? Um, and so it, it felt like I was on Lake Erie with the wind whipping and it was kind of like flurries were drifting in and we were, we, it was just exhausting, right, that day. So I wake up the next day and I'm like, you know what, I'm gonna go find a coffee shop, I'm gonna wake up early and I'm gonna start this day off right, I'm gonna read the word and, and all that. So I find this underground uh, food court that has a caribou coffee. So I take my Bible and everything and I set, I set everything out. I'm having like the, the, the biggest white girl Christian moment. My journal, right? My mocha, my, my Bible, my worship music. It's, it's awesome. Everything is set, right? And, um, and I have this moment where I start reading and I start journaling and 
And I feel this tap on my shoulder, and, and I turn around, and there's this guy, and he looks kind of disheveled, and um, he asked me a question that will forever change my life. This experience right here, and I, and I have to tell you before I tell this story, this is not a good example of what it looks like to experience Christian love or to give out Christian love. Um, and it's kind of a, a, a weird slash funny story, so wait for it. Um, this guy taps me on the shoulder, and I look at him, and he says, where's your, uh, you know, how close is your hotel? And I said, well, it's about five blocks over. It's a little ways. You know, why, what do you, what do you, what, what do you need? Are you going to murder me right here? I'm far enough away from my hotel. No one will know. Um, and, <laughs> sorry. Um, he, uh, he says, would you just mind if I had your socks? And I was like, so I had this brilliant moment, right? This, just this moment of innovation um, because passion is taking up towels and socks. And so I'm like, listen, I've got, I've got the best idea in the world. And uh, if you just walk the 30 minutes down to the Georgia Dome, they're taking them up and you can have all the colors that you want. I'm sure they'll give you six, seven, eight thousand. I don't know. Like just if you walk down there, they will give you a pair of socks, I'm sure. And uh, I think I had honestly in my head, like justified, like, listen, you don't have to like humble yourself and take off your shoes if you'll just like, you're doing something better. Like, don't we kind of do that? And so uh, he looks at me with, I, I like, it's, in, it's burnt in my brain, like, like it's the thing of nightmares. He gives me this smirk, like, I thought so. You know, there you are reading your Bible with your expensive coffee, with your phone playing your Jesus music. And, and I ask you for your socks. And, uh, and he walks away. And then I feel like the Holy Spirit, like weight has just been placed on my shoulders. Um, not a guilt. Don't confuse it with guilt. But like a, um, hey, hey, Mark, there's a better way. There's a better way. So, so I had this moment. It gets worse. I had this moment where I'm just sitting there and I'm like, Man, that was not the right thing to do. And then I have this fear creep up inside of me, like, maybe I'm on hidden camera. <laughs> and, like, all of Facebook is going to pass this video around of this jerk who calls himself a Christian who won't even give up his socks. And then the motivation strikes me. I should go fix this. Not because God would have me do it, but because I might be embarrassed on television one day. I literally had this, like, I, I do not need to be speaking right now. I am a terrible person. Um, I, uh, so I pack my stuff up about three minutes later, and I go find them. It's underground, so there's this kind of, like, street uh, uh, entrance, and I go find him. He's right there on Peachtree Street. I run up. I catch up to him. I tap him on the shoulder, and I'm like, sir, I'm sorry. I would love to give you my socks. And he says this, did I ask you for your socks? And I'm like, yeah, like three minutes ago, you just asked me. It was, weird stuff happens, okay? Um, it's like, yeah, three minutes ago, you asked me for my socks. You said, if you want them, I'd be glad to give them to you, which is just a weird thing to say out of your mouth. Like, if you ever said those words? Like, I would be glad to give you my socks. No, it's the first time I ever said it, too. Um, and he says, okay. So I, there's a hard rock cafe. I walk over, and I sit down. And then this is not important to the story, but I feel like I need to share it. There's this lady that walks up to him um, as he's picking up a cigarette, but it was really just the filter. And he lights the filter and starts smoking it, um, you know, because I guess that's what you have. And, and she walks up and says, can I take a hit off of that? And then he makes fun of her makeup because she's got kind of like makeup all over the place. And he asks her, is that, a, is that makeup or did someone hit you and that's a bruise? 
I'm like, where am I? You know, what's happening? And so I, um, I'm, at this point, I have my shoes off, I have my socks off, and my feet feel the, like, the cold cement. And it was like this, just this feeling. It's like, this is, this is what it's like to not have shoes in the winter. And uh, I stand up. <laughs> I, uh, I, would, <laughs> I can't make this stuff up, okay? Um, I hand my socks to this gentleman, and the first thing he does is he grabs them and he goes, <sighs> and he says, these are disgusting, you can have them. What just happened? Where am I dreaming? Like, what is happening right now? You know? Um, and so he walks away, and I put my socks and my shoes back on. And I'm like, you know, I'm still in kind of a twilight zone, but then it just, like, it just hits me all of a sudden. And, uh, you know, by this point, like, I'm, I'm crying because I kind of realize the state of my heart, you know, like sometimes you do things and you're like, oh, you realize it's not so clean inside, right? Because like you squeeze a tub, of, uh, a tube of toothpaste out and the toothpaste comes out, you squeeze like your life out, your heart out, and what comes out sometimes is not so pretty, right? You didn't know it was there because you've learned to cover it up with, you know, uh, you know courtesies and things like that. But you realize sometimes something comes out of your heart, it's not very pretty, and I realized um, that, that sometimes I would rather pass someone off to an organization rather than just help them myself. Because I'm so used to taking up offerings. I'm so used to donating to things. I'm so used to all those different things. But when a person walked up to me and I had the opportunity to help them, I was like weirded out by it, right? Passing them off to a local church organization or, or, or Red Cross or something like that. And sometimes... Right, we have this opportunity to right staring in front of our face, and we would rather go through like clean channels to, to, to get stuff done. Another way to put it would be this. My whole goal that morning was to meet with God. My picture of meeting with God did not match up what it actually looks like to meet with God. And I didn't like like that picture. Right? That we, we need to wrestle with that, right? Because we sometimes isolate ourselves and we have like a a cute little quiet time, right, with the music on in the background. And what it really looks like to meet with God sometimes is just to help somebody. And I, I was not ready for that. So um, I'm reading through First John, and I, I, I couldn't but help uh, just remember that. Um, so we're going to dive in um, to First John. Um, there's three sections, verse 11 through 15 is kind of the first section. 16 to 18 is the second section and then 19 to 24. So we'll just kind of chop it up like that. The first section says this. For this, this is verse 11, for this is the message that you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, right? We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brothers. Why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. Um, he, he uses this old, old, old example of Cain and Abel Right, and he's he's talking about murder, and how many of us, right? Like, maybe don't answer that question if you've murdered. Let, let's just maybe keep that to yourself if you murdered somebody. Um, but the, the idea here is that you've got a guy. Um, like, t- take me for example. Like, there's all kinds of laws I've broken. Murder's not one of them. So sometimes I tend to go to that one and be like, I'm good, right? But Jesus flipped the script in the Sermon on the Mount and said, "You've heard that it said, right? The law says, do not murder." 
right? Congratulations if you're clean on that account. But I would say that if you insult your brother or if you have hatred for one of your brothers or sisters, you're liable for judgment. You're guilty, right? In essence, the only person that really fulfilled the law was Jesus, and we all fail. Now, we know when Jesus was calling us out, like, if you want to be perfect, if you want to go to heaven, like, fulfill all the law. And so some people took him literally, like we do, and, uh, and we're like, all right, we're going to be perfect, 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 perfect. And then at the end of the day, we're like, ah, I was perfect. Pride, not perfect, right? Like, nailed it. Um, and, and so there's this moment where Jesus flips the script in, this, in the Sermon on the Mount, and he would say, like, we, we sometimes are like, well, I've never murdered anybody, right? We look on the news, and we're like, we're not that guy. You know what I mean? Um, but Jesus puts it way, 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 way back in your heart. Right? What's in your heart, what's there really matters. So he says, don't be like Cain. Um, he says, don't be surprised. Um, you know, the world is going to hate you. Um, and we know that we've passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Right? So how are we doing? Whoever does not love abide in death. I'm a big fat failure. Right? That's just me. Um, whoever does not love abides in death. Um, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life dwelling inside of him. So we have this idea. We know we're called to something greater, and that's to love our brothers and our sisters. It is impossible to say, if you're taking notes, you want to write this one down. It's impossible to say that you hate your brother or sister and have fellowship with God. It's impossible. You cannot at the same time sit in here and worship and be like, God, you're so great. You're so perfect. I'm such in a good place right now. And simultaneously leave and say, I hate that person. What the Bible is saying is that those are two different people. You cannot be the same person. James would say it this way. You can't have fresh water and salt water in the same thing. You put a drop of salt in fresh water, it becomes salt water. It's no longer fresh, right? There's pure and there's impure. Right, another way to say it would be this, like 99% obedience is still 100% disobedience. That's crazy, right? Um, so, so again, how are we doing with this obedience thing? Let's keep reading because it gets a little better. The second, the second portion is verse 16. By this we know, love, that he laid down his life for us. Oh, it's even harder, right? It's not just don't murder. It's not just don't be angry. It's lay down your life for the brothers. He laid down his life for the brothers. We ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. And we love it when people are straight up with us. We love it when people are real. We love it when people's words match their actions. We love it. And we, we uh, you know, conversely call people out when we see hypocritical stuff, right? We, we love for, for stuff to, but we don't necessarily want to have to, to come up to that level ourselves, right? Isn't that kind of true? Like we would love for everyone to never say a hypocritical word ever. But, you know, there's grace for me. Right? And how it works? How unfair is that? How hypocritical is that? You know? Um, James 2, 14 17, uh, through 17 says this, essentially. It does no good to walk up to someone who is hungry at the point of starvation and to walk up to them, right? Tap them on the shoulder and say, go in peace. Be warm and be filled. See ya. You know, how terrible. I think it should be humorous. I think we should look at that and be like, yeah, that's crazy. But we tend to do that. We tend to do things in our heart. 
right? Francis Chan used an example one time this. He said, his, what, if, what if he told his kid to go clean their room and his kid comes back and says, hey, I thought about what it would be like if I cleaned my room in my heart. Can I go play? Of course not, right? Go, go clean your room, right? Me and my friends, we had a study. We talked and we prayed and we thought about what it would look like if we cleaned our rooms. Can we go? Can I have a, can I have a cookie? No, right? There, there, there's no like in your heart happening here. There's, there's action involved. There's real action. You can't have the world's goods, see someone in need, close your heart to them, and call yourself a Christ follower, right? And Jesus exemplified this for us all the time. He saw people in need. He was exhausted. He was tired. And he would stop what he was doing, help them. But he wouldn't just help them. He would offer physical needs being met and spiritual needs being met. That's the picture that we need to go after, right? But we can't isolate ourselves within the four walls, know there's need out there, and not doing any, do anything about it. Um, here's another hard one. Love is not dependent on reciprocity. Love is not dependent on reciprocity. Think about this. So there, there will be so much that you do for other people that will never be thanked, will never be noticed. I mean, think of all the things, parents, that you do for your kids. Right? You take them to go to the store, you buy them a toy, and then the next day they're like, I don't want to clean my room. And I'm like, I'm throwing your Legos in the trash. How about that now? How about them apples? <laughs> you know? And there's, no, there's, there's none of that. Think of that in the same way with the people that you're called to love. Right? It is obvious that they're going to hate you. That should be no surprise to us. They're going to hate you. They hated Jesus, and he still went through with it humbly. In fact, his harshest words were reserved for the religious leaders, not the people that he came to help, right? To seek and to save the lost, right? To help the hurting and the broken, the people that need a hospital, not the people that are well, right? He went after them, and even when they spat in his face, he helped them. He loved them. So we see the second section there, the third section starting in 19. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. He knows everything. Beloved, our, if our heart uh, does not condemn us, then we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him. And because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him, this is his commandment that we believe in, his, in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. By this we shall know that he abides in us, by the spirit whom he has given us. Here's what's important to note. God expects, expects us to love and forgive others in the same way that he loves and forgives us. He expects that. But it goes one step further. Right? Again, his love is not just for us. Am I right? Like, his love is for the whole world. So love and forgive others the same way that he loves and forgives you and loves and forgives them. We are all in the level playing field, right? There's, there, there's no, like, tears of greatness, right? We, we're all on the same playing field. And so when we recognize that we are no greater than our neighbor, that helps us to be better grace givers, 
right? We are no better. We are no greater. So we have no place in our life where we could say, no, I'm going to take care of myself first, right? Think about it this way. When, when we go get takeout, me and my wife, we've got three boys. We go get takeout. We, we might get chicken nuggets and fries for them, but we'll get like Chipotle for us. And our kids have not figured out that they're getting cut out of this deal a little bit. Right. It's a glorious season because like there will be a day that I have to go to Chipotle and spend like fifty dollars. And I don't have to do that right now because my kids are like chicken nuggets, please. I'm like, you got it, son. They're a dollar. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's like this idea. I mean, think about husbands and wives in Ephesians five. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. In, in other words, um, Everything that Jesus did to love the church when he was here on earth and outside of this planet, like in the kingdom of heaven, like love your wife that way. Clothe your family more than you clothe yourself. Feed your family more than you feed yourself. Like their needs come first, not yours. Somehow we do it with our family, but we don't do it with our neighbors. And Jesus set up a different way that he would say, we need to think of others as more important than ourselves. Paul said it this way in Philippians 2 verse 3. We need to consider others as more significant than ourselves. Seriously, do this. When you go to work tomorrow, think of everyone else as more, like it's no longer there's one king and lots of subjects. You're the only subject and everyone else is king. Try that out for a day. Think of everyone else as more significant than yourself. And that's the kingdom. That's the way of Jesus. That's tough, right? This is how we know that we're of the truth in verse 19. Right? And we reassure our heart before him. And in fact, it, it, let me skip down to 23, actually. This is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and that we love one another. He would say it another way. And this is what I love about John. When John is writing, he's almost writing to the T what Jesus said in the Gospels, right? Because John wrote the book of First and Second, Third John. He also wrote the Gospel of John, right? He wrote the Gospel of John, and he was recording what Jesus said. You read what he writes in First, Second, and Third John, and even Revelation some places. He writes exactly what Jesus said. So when he wrote in John 13, verses 31 to 35, this is how they'll know you're my disciples. You want them to know you're my disciples? Wear a t-shirt that says, I'm a Jesus follower. Uh-uh. He never said that. Right? Go to church. Have perfect attendance. It's all good. But that's not what he said. Love people. You have love one for another, and that's how they'll know you're my disciples. So how are we doing? Right? Jesus gives the, 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 this, this answer to the religious leaders. They say, what's the greatest commandment? And he says, love God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. And they're like, oh, that's a good answer. And the second one's like this. And they're like, no, 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 no. Like, slow your roll. I asked for one. Right? I didn't ask for two. No, no, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. We're not ready for that one. Now, here's the crazy thing. As we wrap up, I'll go ahead and have the band come um, and close us up. But here's what I want you guys to hear today. Jesus always, always, always exemplified this love, right? He didn't just say it, right? He, he was the perfect example. So when he shared a meal with them, when he served them, he would say, if you want to be the greatest, you got to be the servant of all, right? And he would go on to be the servant of all. If you want to um, know what it's like to be the greatest, wash other people's feet. And he did that. He grabbed the towel 
and he washed his disciples' feet. And Judas was a part of that story. He washed the man's feet who would eventually betray him. If you want to know what it's like to be my disciple, if you truly want to be a Jesus follower, then serve people. And with a towel in hand, he showed them what love looks like. Now here's the problem. Somewhere along the way, we got confused and we said, no, 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 like we don't necessarily need to serve as much as we need to just get this message out, right? So we're gonna get our microphones, we're gonna get all our bullhorns, we're gonna, we're gonna get this message out to the world, we're gonna tell people they're going to hell and they need a savior. And that is the first thing that we're gonna do and that's the only thing we're gonna do. We're gonna basically tell the world that they need a savior and somewhere down the path, we put down the towel and we traded it in for a bullhorn. And that was never Jesus' purpose. That was never Jesus' method. In fact, maybe the important thing to note here is that his method of serving people was his message. His method of serving people was his message. It was time for him to exemplify it, and he did. And somehow we've got to get it back in our minds that we are to love our neighbor. In fact, there's this. When he gave the greatest commandment to love God and to love your neighbor, he could not separate the two. They were one thing. So if you want to look at someone, if you want an example in your life of what it looks like to love God with everything in your heart, you've seen all kinds of hypocritical like ideas. There's, there's co corrupt leadership all over the world. If you want a picture of what it looks like to love God with all of your heart, look for the person who is loving other people. And that's the person that is loving God. God. Jesus never separated them, and John isn't, right? If we love our neighbor, then, then love abides in our heart. John 15, he says it the same way. He said, if you want to abide in me and I in you, you've got to bear much fruit, right? Apart from me, you can do nothing. Abide in me and you'll bear much fruit. The fruit is loving your neighbor in different forms. So I was walking around Easton with my family last night, and uh, had this moment where we've got three boys. So you take three boys anywhere and it's a jungle. You know what I mean? It's just, it's a total circus. And so we're walking through the mall, uh, walking through East and we're about to walk into the Lego store, which is my, my son. That's, that's, all, that's all Easton is, is a Lego store. They don't know any other shops exist, right? So we're walking out, we're walking through this area and, and I've got the double stroller because, you know, we've got three kids. And, and then there's this guy that kind of sneaks in uh, between me and my wife and, and we're walking towards the Lego store and then I noticed something because I'm, I'm used to getting separated from my family with like a stroller because it's hard to get through. But I noticed something. This guy pulls his phone out and then starts <clears throat> recording my wife walking for like 30 seconds. He's got his video zoomed in on her. And then there's my five-year-old right next to him. And... Uh, I don't know what you're supposed to do in that situation, but my response wasn't great, right? Not only was my response not great, I had this moment where I wanted to, to have a Rambo-like moment where I put the bandana around my forehead and then we go to work, right? And, uh, and then it hit me. I was like, I have to preach on loving people. Golly, thanks a lot, you know, because it's like I could just sit up there and ask for forgiveness. But so I don't know what you're supposed to do in that situation. My response wasn't awesome. I got about as close to this to him and I just kind of stood there. And that was awkward for a minute. 
he walks away. And I'm thinking, again, I don't know. I don't know why it is that I can't figure out how to love people sometimes. And I, again, I don't know what the correct response is, but it could be that, it could be something else. It could be someone cuts you off in traffic. Guess what? My first, no, my first thought is not, go ahead, young man. <laughs> go in peace. Be warmed and filled. No, it's, well, I can't repeat it. I don't know, I haven't figured this out, but here's what I want to say to you. This is my parting advice. This is so good right here. The end in verse 24, just take hold of this. And by this, we know that he abides in us. Why? By the spirit in whom he has given us. See, God, God knows you're not perfect. God knows you don't have it all together. But, but believers, when you surrender your life to Jesus, he gives you the Holy Spirit. That, that love is not supposed to, supposed to come from you as a source. It's supposed to come from the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And that gives you the power to love your neighbor. That gives you the ability, right? Because the Holy Spirit is convicting you and guiding you and comforting you, but also giving you a, a gentle push sometimes. The Holy Spirit is there to show us that we should love and forgive our neighbors. Love others. And if you want to know what it looks like to truly love God, take a test. Open your eyes and your ears. I, I dare you to pray this prayer. Lord, will you give me this week the opportunity to love someone in a tangible way? And then you walk around your job, the gym, the coffee shop, your neighborhood with open eyes and open ears. And I, I, I'm guessing, I'm not God, but I'm guessing he will give you that opportunity. I dare you to do that. And then watch him work. Watch him work. You don't have to be a super Christian to do this. You don't have to be a pastor, right? God is looking for people that will be obedient to him, right? Again, to, to put down the bullhorn and to start washing people's feet, to pick up the towel. It's time for us to engage in that kind of love. Thank you for listening to this message from our series, Anti, a Covenant Church. We hope you've been impacted by what you've heard today. Visit us online at covenantchurch.us for more information and to listen to more impactful sermon audios just like this.